In this message that continues our series on 1 Corinthians 13, our pastor of congregational care, Sally Campbell Evans, is going to talk about kindness and how kindness can overcome the hurts that we experience sometimes in our everyday lives, or maybe even those more traumatic hurts that we just carry with us over the long term. You're not going to want to miss this message. Again, if you haven't read this passage of scripture, it is 1 Corinthians 13. You'll find it in the New Testament, and it's a wonderful chapter of scripture. And we'll be talking about the word kindness found in verse four. Check it out. One of the many parts of my job that I quite enjoy is hearing the love stories of couples whose weddings I officiate. Oh, we had a big wedding a week ago and it was a joy to celebrate with that family and their friends. But over the years, I've noticed a pattern. When I ask a couple if there's a particular scripture that they want to include in the service, well, I might hear something like, we're open to just about anything. Well, anything except that scripture about love. We've heard it too many times at too many other weddings. Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it has been used a lot. The passage we just read is one of, okay, I think it used to be the most read scripture passage at weddings. In fact, it might be hard for us not to think only of the marriage covenant whenever we hear these words about love. And yet if we limit Paul's words only to the relationships celebrated in a wedding, well, then we miss the most radical and challenging parts of what Paul is saying in this letter. So let's back up a minute. Do you remember to whom Paul wrote these poetic words about love? It was not to a young couple on their wedding day. Instead, Paul wrote these words about love to a young church that was being torn apart by division. Strife and discord were growing within this small Corinthian church. And what were they disagreeing about? Well, Corinth was a flourishing commercial city and a major trading port. And the members of the church that Paul had started were a diverse crowd. I mean, some were very wealthy, powerful members of the community, and others were quite poor. Indeed, we learned that the church included both slaves and free persons, or former slaves. And what was happening was the richer members were eating the communion meal before the poorer members could even arrive. So some were stuffed while others went hungry, just like what was happening in the larger culture, but not appropriate for these Christ followers. In addition to the quarreling between the socioeconomic classes, some of the members of the church were also bragging about who had been baptized by whom, creating even more factions. And just before the part we read, we learned that some people in the church were playing the I'm a better believer than you are game, flaunting their spiritual gifts as a way of increasing their status and reputation rather than using those gifts to build up the body. So even though Paul was no longer present in this community, he heard, I mean, he heard about the conflict and trouble. And that is why he wrote this letter to them. I wanted to remind us of this letter's historical contents because if we ignore it or if we don't know it, then it becomes much easier for us to shrink down Paul's statements about love into a romanticized, warm and fuzzy platitude, merely poetic words that some folks do not want read at their weddings because the passage has been overused and has grown stale. So as we ponder the incredible mess the church in Corinth had quickly made of itself, we see how Paul's treatise on love explodes radically into the midst of that. 
One commentary I read said the Corinthians were doing real and potentially destructive battle with each other. And Paul inserts this passage into his letter to call the Corinthians to account for their behavior. Everything he says love is not, they are. Everything he says love is, they are not. Those who heard these words more likely responded with gasps of shock and anger than with, ah, ahs of affirmation and delight. Really, though, there is nothing romantic, warm, or fuzzy about what Paul was doing when he wrote this 13th chapter. His words are challenging and provocative and truly quite pointed. So here we are in a sermon series looking at this poem that Paul wrote about love. And it seems to me that there is no better time to reflect on this than right now. Because we are bombarded every day with so many and often conflicting images and ideas of love. But Paul is talking about agape love, a love that is embodied most visibly in God's love for humankind. And it was shown in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, this love is so much more than a feeling. This love is active. It is an action. This love seeks the good of the one who is loved. Paul defines this love in a series of words that depict what love is and what love is not. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. It does not brag. It isn't arrogant. Today, we're focusing on love is kind, a love that is generous, helpful, and thoughtful. Kindness means being considerate, friendly, warm, empathetic, gentle. Being kind to people involves thinking of the other person first and yourself second. Being kind to others is one of the ways that we show Christian love for our neighbors. Yes, it is positive and uplifting and encouraging. So I've been thinking about examples of a love that is kind. And I first thought about the pay it forward movement. Paying it forward is when someone does something for you, but instead of paying that person back directly, you pass it on to another person instead. Like, we're so thankful for their kindness and generosity, and we promise to pay it forward. This phrase was popularized in the year 2000 with the movie starring Helen Hunt, Kevin Spacey, and Haley Joel Osment. It was a movie with the same name, Pay It Forward. Hmm. Pay It Forward. Oh gosh, I remember a time years ago when Clark and I were eating in a restaurant in St. Augustine, Florida. It was a crowded restaurant and we struck up a conversation with the couple at the very close table next to ours. And we talked about this and that and we laughed and we enjoyed our fried shrimp, which is what we had ordered. And then they left and we waited and we waited and we waited for the waitress to come and bring us our bill. And finally, when we got her attention and asked for the check, she replied, Oh, honey, your bill was paid long ago by that nice couple sitting near you. Later that night, I remember thinking about another who had paid my debt for me. Paying it forward is incredible stuff. And it's a great way to be kind. And then with Earth Day being celebrated just yesterday, I started thinking about ways to be kind 
to this earth, which is our home. And I began reading articles like from the United Nations and other places about the impact of being kind to help the environment. Indeed, I read one article entitled Kindness, an Unsung Climate Change Tool. Well, that really got my attention because more often when one thinks about climate change and community resilience, well, visions of seawalls and renewable energy projects and other physical things come to mind. But this article pointed out that another powerful tool, a tool that anyone at any age at any time can act upon to help their community weather the harshest impacts of climate change, and that is kindness. It's true. In California's recent wildfires, neighbors knocking on neighbors' doors, it truly helped save lives. Checking on vulnerable neighbors during heat waves or hurricanes or other extreme weather events it can make an incredible difference for that individual, and it can have global ripple effects. The article immediately brought to mind the many acts of kindness that were shown to us when we moved to Miami just eight weeks before Category 5 Hurricane Andrew arrived. Yes, with a four-month-old baby, no electricity, and a community we didn't yet understand, neighbors shared what they had with others and with us. It was a beautiful thing. Of course, it made me think of my friend, one of our best friends, another Methodist pastor who had moved to Miami the same day we did in June of 1992. He and his spouse were farther south and experienced more damage than we did in North Miami. Yes, that morning, the morning of the hurricane, my friend, I'll call Roberto. Roberto peeked out of his window and saw his trees down and electrical lines down, and he saw a neighbor out in the street. So he went out to check on him. And together, together they decided to walk the neighborhood, knocking on doors to check on people. And when they were about a block and a half away from his home, Roberto noticed a woman that he recognized, and he said, Hi, I'm Roberto, your new pastor. And with that, he looked down and realized that he was only wearing his boxer shorts. True story. I can't make this stuff up. But that bold act of kindness bonded Roberto to that community for years to come. He was kind to them. Neighbors knocking on neighbors' doors brings a community closer together, occasionally in ways we didn't imagine. But that type of love, that love is kind, kind of kindness helps save lives. And finally, before this week was out, I, I started wondering about the power of love, the power of love that Paul was talking about, that agape love that puts others first, that is generous, empathetic, and fearless. And I wanted to find an example of kind love that can change lives, that can change history. And I found one. So let me take you back to 1987. In 1987, the rhetoric around AIDS acquired immunodeficiency syndrome was fear-inducing and alarmist. I remember how scary it was. The public was unsure about the nature of the disease, how dangerous it was, and how it could be transmitted. I bet many of you will remember this photograph. 
Yes, this photo of Princess Diana at the opening of the United Kingdom's first dedicated HIV AIDS unit in 1987. Dressed in her designer suit, a smiling Princess Di shook the hand of a patient suffering with AIDS. She did this without gloves. That's right, her ungloved hand shook the man, the hand of a man who at that time was dying of AIDS. Oh my, she wielded her considerable visibility and influence as the biggest celebrity of the British royal family, not to enhance her own status, but to shatter the brutalizing stigma attached to those who had contracted the virus. When she visited that hospital in London, that moment of compassion, that single moment of kindness, well, frankly, it changed the dialogue around AIDS. It challenged the false belief that the disease could be translated, transmitted simply by touch. And it showed Diana's unwavering kindness for other people. Her single barrier-breaking act of loving kindness brought so much healing. It was not unlike the way Jesus offered kindness to others when he touched them and broke down barriers and brought healing. Remember the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' cloak and she was healed? Remember in Luke chapter 5, the man with the skin disease whom Jesus reached out and touched. He was made clean and he was healed. Remember Jairus' daughter who was healed by the touch of Jesus, healed by the love of Jesus that was shown in action. Oh, friends, this part of 1 Corinthians, this poem clearly explains the most important core value of the Christian faith, and that is love. Love is many things, but it is especially kind. Kindness joyfully pays it forward. Kindness connects with neighbors and saves lives. Kindness reaches across the chasm of uncomfortableness to bring healing, healing that can come by a simple touch. I pray you will ponder the many meanings of love is kind, not only today, but in all your relationships going forward. And I pray you'll dare to join Jesus in offering your hand to bring healing in this world. Let us pray. Oh, holy God, you are love. So how grateful we are that you reach out to us and to those we would dare not touch. On a daily basis, you greet those we ignore and you welcome those that we would close our hearts to. Holy Spirit, rest upon us so we might become kinder people, sharing your love with others. Caress us with your humility so we can let go of our pride and show us your way so we would not demand ours. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for watching this message. Uh, down in the notes section below, you can find reflection questions and a way to take some next steps and find out how to connect more with our church. We really appreciate you taking the time to watch this message. Maybe even consider sharing it with a friend or watching some other content that we have on our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.